Welcome to Pioneering Today with me, Melissa K. Norris, where I inspire your faith and your pioneer roots. I show you how to grow your own food, heirloom gardening, how to preserve your food at home, and modern homesteading. Tune in every other Friday as I share proven strategies that anyone can do to live the pioneer lifestyle. Make sure to head over to melissaknorris.com and subscribe to receive free Pioneering Today articles and updates. Hey guys, I am really excited to talk with you today about grinding your own flour at home and using fresh ground flour in your baking. Um, We started a new feature on the Pioneering Today podcast and that has been um, the reader question of the week. And I actually have gotten a lot of questions in regard to grinding your own flour, picking which kind of flour um, to use, and then how to use freshly ground flour when you're baking because it is a little bit different. So today's episode is actually going to be all about answering those questions. So you could kind of say today's podcast episode is an entire podcast um, on the reader question of the week. So I'm really excited to delve into this because it's something that um, I started doing almost two years ago and I absolutely love. So today we're going to be getting into uh, grinding your own flour at home. So you might, um, those of you who might wonder, why would you want to grind your own flour at home? Well, there's several reasons, but most of um, importantly for me is the health benefits of grinding your own flour at home. So the flour that you get in the store Um, a wheat berry has three parts to it. And so when I say wheat berry, it's not a berry like a fruit berry that you eat. It's actually like a hard little kernel, but they call it a wheat berry. So the wheat berry has three parts. And the first part is the bran, and that's the hard outside shell of the little kernel. And that's where all of, um, that's where most of your fiber and a lot of the nutrients are in, is in the bran. Next, you have the germ And so that's where the oil is contained. And the oil has um, vitamins, proteins, and minerals. And then you have what they call the endosperm. And that's the large part of the wheat berry. And it's pretty starchy. Um, And so when you have your flour that's from the store, that is just contains the endosperm. It doesn't contain usually the brand or the germ. And the reason for that is because the germ has oil. And so once that brand, that outer heart outside is cracked and you've ground up and exposed the germ to the air, um, it goes rancid quite quickly. It's not a shelf stable. Once the air hits it, that germ oil is not shelf stable. And so in order to have flour sitting on the shelf at the store that's, um, you know, that's shelf stable that you can buy that's been sitting there for, you know, who knows how long and then can stay on your shelf and not go rancid, um, they have to remove the germ and they remove usually the bran as well. And so all that you're left with is just the starchy part of the flour. And then that's why when you see it, most flour that you see on the short shelves are always, it'll say enriched. They have to add the vitamins back in because they've removed them in order to make it shelf stable. So when you grind your flour at home, you're getting all of the vitamins and the minerals and all of the the great healthy things that God put into the wheat berry and it's not being stripped out and then having to put back in by manual method. So that's the main reason that we like to grind our own flour at home is because of the health benefits. So when you do grind your own flour at home because it has the germ in it and the bran, then it's really best if you can use it within, right, grind it as you use it. So if you're making a recipe, you grind your flour 
and then you bake whatever you're making. Otherwise, um, you can grind it up and you can store it in the freezer um, for, you know, I've stored mine in the freezer for up to six months. If I just ground too much and I'm not going to get to it, then I'll put it in a bag and put it in the freezer. Of course, that's not as optimal as grinding it and using it right then and there. But I have done that, especially if we're like if we go camping or um, that kind of a thing where I don't bring my wheat grinder and my wheat berries with me, then that's what I'll do. I'll grind up flour for whatever I think I need to be using and then I will just put it in the freezer while we're on our trip and then just take it out. Um, we have a camper trailer. So I will do that method as well. With the wheat berries um, too, the other reason that you want to grind your flour at home, and this was actually, I have to tell you when I got started grinding my own flour at home, the reason was because I was looking into upping our food storage. Um, I wanted to increase our food storage that we had at home and become more self-sufficient and prepared and wheat berries have a much longer shelf life, really a, a, a long shelf life, um, you know, years in comparison to flour, which can be months depending upon um, its storage, how you have it stored and, and when it was first milled. So I started looking at the wheat berries for storage purposes. So that is another um, reason that you'd want to grind your own flour at home and have your wheat berries is because of your food storage. You can store wheat berries indefinitely, essentially. So that's another top reason as well. So those are two reasons that you want to grind your own flour at home. Then we're going to get into the different kinds of, of wheat, the differences, and then getting to bake with them. So um, if you are looking for a wheat grinder, there's different wheat grinders. There's manual wheat grinders and there's electric wheat grinders. And there's pros and cons to each of them. I actually have both. I personally own, actually, well, they sent it to me for free after they read my review on the other flour grinders that I've used so that I could compare it. And that's the Wonder Mill Electric, which I love. But I do have a manual wheat grinder um, as well. So if you go to melissaknorris.com, click on the podcast button, and this episode is going to be grinding your own flour and baking with fresh flour. Click on that, and you can read the transcription of the show if you missed anything. And also, you'll be able to click on any links to resources, things that I mentioned during the show. And I have an entire post article that I will link to that I wrote on choosing your wheat grinder and which one is best for you, which models, reviews, um, and the ones that I ultimately chose for each of those. So if you're wanting to look further into getting a wheat grinder um, for grinding your wheat at home, then you can go to that resource. Um, just go to melissacanorris.com, click on the podcast button, and it'll take you right to that. So there's different kinds of wheats. There's your hard wheat and your soft wheat. So you might be wondering like, okay, well, what is the difference? You know, what does it matter? And I really didn't know all of this when I first started getting into grinding my flour. So the first that we have is your hard wheat. So hard wheat has a higher protein count to it and it also has more gluten in it. So this is the best choice that you have when you are doing things that need to rise. So baking breads and rolls, you're going to want to choose a hard wheat. So my family and I are not gluten sensitive. Um, if you are, then you're going to want to be using some non-gluten flours that you'll be wanting to grind up. So this this episode is really not for anybody who has um, who can't has high gluten sensitivities or wheat allergies. So just so you know that. So we like to do, um, I use the hard wheat and I actually, so you'll see, generally speaking, you will see hard white wheat and hard red wheat. And hard red wheat usually has a little bit stronger flavor. Occasionally it can have a little bit of a bitter aftertaste. 
Um, I prefer the hard white wheat when I'm baking my bread. Um, it is has a little bit sweeter flavor to it, so I don't use as much sweetener. In fact, the, the bread recipe after using a lot of different recipes when I was baking with fresh flour and trying to come up with a, a bread recipe. I actually ended up creating my own and it's a um, it's a honey buttermilk whole wheat bread recipe. So I will click to that or link to that for you in the show notes as well. But I like to use the white wheat. Um, and so the reason that we, for breads that rise, gluten is actually what creates the elasticity in your bread dough and what allows it to rise and so that you get those pockets and that's how you get the light airy texture that we all like with bread. So that's the reason that we actually, that's the thing that gluten does. Um, And the reason that we like that is when we're baking bread products is because that's what it does. So that's why I prefer a hard wheat um, because it produces a lighter, airier bread. It's not as dense. Um, a lot of times people, the complaint they have with whole wheat um, is because it's it's more dense. Now, some people really like that um, earthy artisan type um, bread. And so it's just going to depend on your own personal taste preferences, which is kind of the beauty of grinding and using your own flour at home is you really get to come up with what your family likes, and it's tailored to you and your um, specific taste. So I really like that. So for me and my family, we have found that we prefer the hard white wheat. Um, I just use a little bit of honey as sweetener in our bread recipe, and it still has a really sweet um, taste, which is high on the list for kids. Um, And it rises quite well, so that's another great thing. So your soft wheats um, are lower in protein, and those are really best for your pastry-type items. So, um, you know, it would be more like a cake flour consistency. Um, So for muffins, um, pancakes, you know, those kind of cookies, anything like that, um, your soft wheat is a option that most people go for. Now, this is my darling of the of the wheat berries, and what I did not discover this flour existed or this wheat berry until I started getting into grinding my own flour, and that is spelt. So spelt is a ancient grain. It's primitive. It's not been hybridized. It was actually grown in biblical times. Um, I was reading in the Old Testament a couple of weeks ago and I came across a verse and it mentions name and I got all kinds of excited. I'm like, oh, that's so cool. Um, so so that's what spelt is. It's an, it's an ancient grain. Um, one of the cool things about spelt is it's higher in protein. Um, and it does have gluten in it. It is not a gluten-free flour. I, I kind of see that misconception a lot of times online in reference to spelt. So spelt does have gluten in it. However, because it is not hybridized and it's primitive, that gluten content from from what I, my understanding, and I'm not a nutritionalist, um, is that it has a lower gluten content in it, but with the higher protein. So spelt is a little bit different though when you go to cook with it because spelt, or essentially when you're baking with it, spelt doesn't rise, it's gluten is more fragile and so it doesn't want to rise upward as easily. Spelt tends to rise out instead of up. So sometimes there's some little tricks using with spelt. It's a little bit different baking with spelt, especially freshly. And this is kind of true for any of your fresh ground flour. Your recipes will have to be altered. So when you're using fresh ground flour, because the bran and the oil is still in it and it's fresh, it absorbs liquid and moisture a lot more than your regular all-purpose flour or flour that you've bought from the store that's already been milled. 
so going into that, um, know whenever you're taking a recipe, if it's not a recipe that is specifically for fresh ground flour, if it's just for regular all-purpose or already flour, you're going to have to do a little bit of alterations. Now, I didn't realize this when I first started grinding our own flour at home and using our own flour at home. And I have to tell you guys, it took me about six weeks, I kid you not, to get a decent loaf of bread. I was beyond frustrated. <laughs> Because I have baked from scratch, baked bread um, for many years. I consider myself a decent baker. Um, actually, I consider myself a, a fairly good baker. You know, not by any means professional or, you know, the best out there. But I, I usually think that my stuff tastes pretty good. <laughs> and so I was really, really frustrated when I tried to bake bread using the fresh ground flour. And that's because you do have to treat it a little bit differently. So the the first loaves that I tried to bake with the fresh ground flour, oh my gosh, you guys. So I, I didn't realize that we needed to make alterations and I just followed the recipe as I normally would. And by the time it came down to trying to punch your dough down before you form your loaves for the second rise, it was so hard. I am not joking. I could not punch that dough down. I mean, it was solid, almost like a rock. And I didn't even bother trying to bake it because you can guess you would break your teeth on it <laughs> before you'd be able to bite into it if it was that hard and that dense before it had even hit the oven. So I was getting really frustrated because I was throwing out a lot of ingredients and a lot of, you know, time and effort as well. So I really, um, I, I hit, <laughs> I hit the internet, I hit cookbooks, um, and I started emailing different bloggers and friends that I knew ground their own flour at home, um, for help. So that's what I'm offering you today <laughs> is a lot of their advice and things that I've learned over the course of almost two years baking with fresh flour. So when you're baking with fresh flour, when you are creating a recipe, now this, um, I want to put this in there. When you're baking with fresh flour, I will specify the difference between spelt and then your regular fresh ground flours because spelt is just a little bit different than your hard and soft wheats. So when you're using hard, like hard white wheat, hard red wheat, or your soft white wheat, soft red wheat, um, you're going to actually not use as much flour as a normal recipe calls for. So generally speaking, when I am a regular recipe and I'm converting it over to fresh ground flour, what I'll do is for every cup of regular flour that it calls for, I will take out about two to four tablespoons. So let's say three tablespoons. I will take away of the fresh ground flour. Now I don't pre-sift my flour. So when I grind my flour up, I grind that baby up and then I dip my measuring cup in there and that's how we go. So I don't do any pre-sifting. It doesn't sit around. It's freshly ground. And this works really great because the flour is warm when it goes through the mill. So then when you are baking things that require yeast or that need warm for rising, it helps it to rise because the flour itself is already warm. So that works really great for that. The one thing that it doesn't work great for though is if you're doing pie crusts or biscuits where you want it to be really flaky. So usually speaking, I will grind it up and then I'll stick it in the fridge really qu um, quickly to let it cool down fast. I've even stuck it in the freezer if I need it to cool down real quick before I cut in my butter because that's what makes flaky biscuits and flaky pie crusts is when your butter or your um, lard, I also will use lard that we render here at home. Um, when you are using that, then you want it to, the goal for the, to get the flakiness for your pie crust and those kind of things is you need the fat to melt 
while it's baking. You don't want it to melt and blend all the way in when you're mixing the dough in. So that's how you, the secret to the really flaky pie crust. A lot of times too, I'll even use frozen butter and I'll use a, the large spot on the grater you know, your largest hole, and I will grate that in. So that's a tip for getting your flaky stuff. So the fresh ground flour, it does come out warm, so it works great for your yeast and rising breads, but not so great. You want to chill it down if you're trying to do something like a a pastry-type crust um, or biscuits where you need to cut in the butter. So that's my tip for that. Now, going back to um, your fresh ground flour, so usually I will take a cup of flour minus about three tablespoons when I'm converting a regular recipe. Then you're going to mix in your recipe, keep your liquids and everything else the same. Then you're going to knead it. And with fresh ground flour, you don't usually knead it as long. So I will knead mine for about four to five minutes, and then I let it rest. And I let it rest between 10 and 15 minutes and then come back to it because now it's, it may feel sticky. Um, it might not look like you um, have enough flour at this point. And this is where I were get, was getting when I first started those rock hard things of dough because your fresh flour absorbs more moisture than other flour. So when you let it sit for those 10 to 15 minutes, it's going to continue to absorb the liquid. So when you come back to it, then you're going to see if you actually need to add more liquid. And most times you don't. You can just tell by the texture. You want it to be um, a little bit tacky. You don't. I don't ever actually have mine the consistency as when you do regular all-purpose flour. I never get my whole wheat um, dough that dry because then you get the really hard, dry, dense loaves of bread or the end product, depending on what you're making. So I keep mine actually a little bit on the wet side. So after I do the initial knead, let it sit for 10 to 15 minutes, check your moisture content again. And then I knead it for another five minutes. And another trick that I have, if you're not using a mixer to knead your dough, like with a dough attachment or a bread machine, because then you always have to add more flour when you're kneading, right? So it doesn't stick to your hands, doesn't stick to the counter. And that can create a dense loaf of bread when you're using the fresh flour. So what I have found if I'm not using a mixer is to use a little bit of organic olive oil, uh, melted coconut oil, whatever oil that you have. Avocado oil is another great oil that I've been using lately I really like. Put down just a really thin layer on your countertop and just coat your hands lightly and then knead your dough. And then you're not having to add extra flour and it's not sticking to your hands and it's not sticking to your counter. And that, once I started doing that, then I started to have loaves of bread that were normal and not rock hard. So that is my my number one tip for using fresh ground flour. And I've kind of noticed too that every bag of flour that I get, or excuse me, not bag of flour, bag of wheat berries that I'm grinding into flour, it's a little bit different. You know, it depends on where it's grown and the type of weather they have for that year. For your, um, the hard wheat is generally growing in the winter months. Um, and so if you don't have quite as cold or the weather conditions are just different, it's going to affect, you know, the protein and the gluten content a little bit. So grinding with flesh flour, you really just have to go by the touch and the texture and the visualness of the doughs that you're preparing rather than a tr- hard um, exact quantity of flour for your recipes. So that is my number one advice for that. Now, and to remember when you're baking with the fresh ground flour at home, the color of your, um, like your bread and your pie crust is generally going to be a little bit darker. So when you're baking it in the oven, you know, it's going to look a little bit darker 
but it's not burnt and it's not harder. It's just because it's not been bleached <laughs> and it still has the germ and the bran all in there. And so the color is a little bit darker. So just know that, you know, another tip that I read that I have not tried yet, but I wanted to put this out here because I am really um, interested in using that was that someone, they said to get a more lighter, like more like an all purpose flour was to use barley. So this is for your pastry type items is to add in some barley flour with your um, soft pastry or your spelt. So that is something that I'm going to try and I will give an update on that once um, I have to get my hands on some barley <laughs> to do that. So when you're baking with spelt, the thing that you want to remember with spelt is you actually end up I have to use more flour with spelt. So this is contradictory to my um, tips for using the hard and soft wheat is I have to use about two to four tablespoons more flour per cup when I'm converting a recipe that uses all spelt flour. So when I first started, um, I wanted to bake cookies and I usually use spelt as my pastry flour. So I usually um, like all of me cupcakes, cakes, pancakes, waffles, muffins, all, you know, quick breads, banana bread, pumpkin bread, zucchini bread, all of those things I use spelt. And so when I first tried to convert my cookie recipe over and I was using the spelt flour, I was getting really frustrated because they were spreading out thin as pancakes. They still tasted great, but they weren't the regular cookie texture that my family liked and that I liked. So we were kind of getting frustrated with it. And so I dug into spelt and like I said, spelt likes to rise and spread out instead of rising up. So with spelt, you have to add a little bit more flour. And if you're using it for like um, baking your breads and stuff, you also, you don't want to overwork spelt because the gluten content is more fragile. And if you over mix it, over stir it, over knead it, then it breaks down faster and that's gonna inhibit your rise as well. So that's my other tip, and that's one of the reasons why I only need for about four minutes, let that baby rest, come back, need it for another three to four minutes, and then that's all the needing time that it needs, which is also great because <laughs> it's, it's less work for me um, on, on you know, needing. So I love that. So with the spelt, generally speaking, I usually add, especially if I'm doing something like cookies that's a free form, it's not in a pan like bread or muffins or whatever, I add about four tablespoons extra to my cup of flour. So if it calls for three cups of flour, then I'm adding almost four cups. And so you can kind of, again, you'll, you'll go by the, the feel of the dough. Then another tip that I have too, and this was someone was baking with spelt and they asked, their bread didn't seem to be rising correctly. And so one of the things that I like to do, especially when I'm using with spelt is, one is you can cut back on your rise time. If it seems like when you're putting it into the oven to bake, that it's deflating instead of rising up, then that's a sign that it has, um, it's went past its optimum time for rising. It's actually been rising too long. And so it's deflating um, when it starts to hit the oven. There's, there's no life left in your yeast. So try cutting back your rising time for about 15 minutes and seeing if that helps for the first and second rise as well. The other thing that I like to do, and this is what I do is spelt to get a little bit extra height, is I will preheat the oven at a higher temperature than what I'm going to bake it as. So for instance, for my bread, I will I generally bake it at about 375 degrees. So I will preheat my oven to 425 degrees. And once that's preheated to that, then I'll put the bread into the oven and I will cook it at 425 for about four minutes. 
Then I lower it back down to 375 for the remainder of the cooking time. So that extra high heat when you first put it in, it gives that yeast a little kick in the pants, so to speak, and it kind of makes it puff up and rise. But then we have to turn it back down because we don't want to burn our bread. So that I have found works really well for me and I get the best um, texture on the bread when I implement that kind of baking. So you can that's a tip that you definitely can try. And then also with your spelt products, you know, if you're frustrated that they just tend to be rising out, I would recommend playing around with your flour ratio or excuse me, your kinds of flour. So a couple of things that you can do is you can actually add in vital wheat gluten. It's a powder form. And so um, usually I will do like to a overall bread recipe, let's see, my bread recipe is about eight and a half cups of flour for two loaves. So you can add in like a quarter cup of the vital wheat gluten and that will help with the texture and help it to rise better as well. And you can get that at any pretty much Whole Foods place. Um, I'm sure you can get it on Amazon. I can link to that in the show notes for you as well. So that's another option that you have when you're working with your um, freshly ground flour and whole wheats to give it a little extra boost in airy texture. You can also make your own mixes up of your flours. So you can use, um, and I've done this a lot with the breads, is you can use some spelt and some hard white wheat. So that's another option that you have is you can make your own, you know, your own mixes up, kind of play around with it, see what you like the best. And I have found that like for doing, um, you know, tortillas and that kind of a thing, I do use the hard red wheat for tortillas, crackers. Um, I like the flavor and those things. For my breads, I prefer the hard white wheat with the spelt. And then spelt is what I use as my primary pastry for everything. I just I adore spelt. It's my favorite flour. So I hope that that answers um, a lot of your questions on grinding your own flour at home and baking tips and on how to bake with it. If you still have questions or you'd like to know more things, please um, shoot me an email, leave a comment on the post, and I will answer that on another episode that we have coming up. I, I love hearing from you guys, actually. It's really fun. I've got to meet some of you via email meeting, talk, chit-chatting back and forth, and I just think it's awesome. So I would love to hear from you. And then where do you get your wheat berries? So generally speaking, I get most of mine from our local co-op. And I can call ahead and order a 50-pound bag, and then they give me a 10% off discount for buying in bulk. So that's really great for our um, storage purposes. And so generally speaking, I use um, a 50-pound bag of the hard white wheat for a year and a 50-pound bag of the spelt flour for a year. And so that is pretty much our, so 100 pounds of wheat berries is what our wheat use is for a year. And that's what I do. I um, do also have a small bag of organic all-purpose flour that if I'm baking something, um, that if I don't have any flour ground or just kind of if I really want something to be really light and airy texture, I will mix that in with a spelt flour if it's something that I, I really want to have a bakery type um, thing because I'm still playing on trying to get down of all home milled flour at home um, to really capture that all-purpose light airy texture. So I'm really excited to try using the barley to see if I can capture that at home so I don't ever have to get any flour pre-ground at the store. But primarily we use all of the fresh ground flour at home for all, everything pretty much. So you can also order um, in bulk 
as well. Um, I know Amazon has a lot of non-GMO verified organic wheat berries too. And the interesting thing when you're grinding your own flour at home is so, um, because it puts the air in it and grind it, is when you grind a cup of wheat berries, I get actually about a quarter and a cup of flour. So that's another thing to keep in mind, um, you know, when you're grinding up, if the recipe calls for eight cups of flour, say, then you're probably going to grind up about seven cups of hard wheat berries or soft wheat berries, whatever you're doing, but the, the hard kernel berries. So that's another thing. If you've never ground before, that was a question I had. Well, how much, you know, how much volume wise of this, of, of this white wheat berries is going to, going to give me for flour? So I get a little bit more volume wise of flour than I do um, per cup of the wheat berries. So I hope that you have enjoyed this. I hope that it's helped you. I would love to hear from you. Thank you so much for listening. And I really hope that you join us for the homemade Christmas series. Again, you can sign up for that at melissaknorris.com.